Uh, my name is Trevor. Um, I have the privilege of reading our teaching text this morning, which comes from the book of Acts, chapter 11. And it says this. The apostles and the believers throughout Judea heard that the Gentiles also had received the word of God. So when Peter went up to Jerusalem, the circumcised believers criticized him and said, you went into the house of uncircumcised men and ate with them. Starting from the beginning, Peter told them the whole story. I was in the city of Joppa praying, and in a trance I saw a vision. I saw something like a large sheet being let down from heaven by its four corners, and it came down to where I was. I looked into it and saw four-footed animals of the earth, wild beasts, reptiles, and birds. Then I heard a voice telling me, get up, Peter, kill and eat. I replied, surely not, Lord. Nothing impure or unclean has ever entered my mouth. The voice spoke from heaven a second time. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. Do not call anything impure that God has made clean. This happened three times, and then it was all pulled up to heaven again. Right then, three men who had been sent to me from uh, Caesarea stopped at the house where I was staying. The Spirit told me to have no hesitation about going with them. These six brothers also went with me, and we entered the man's house. He told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send to Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. As I began to speak, the Holy Spirit came on them as he had come on us at the beginning. Then I remembered what the Lord had said. John baptized with water, but you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. So if God gave them the same gift he gave us who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way? When they heard this, they had no further objections and praised God, saying, so then, even to Gentiles, God has granted repentance that leads to life. These are the words of the Lord. So, it's all good, Trevor, I got you. Today's message is the fourth installment of a five-part series we're doing in our community uh, titled Proclaiming His Resurrection. This series, uh, this preaching uh, series occurs in uh, the middle of the season of the church's liturgical calendar, which is called Eastertide. Eastertide is a 50-day period after the resurrection of Jesus that is associated directly with the early church and the teachings of the early church and the early believers of Jesus. Uh, TGC, I think it is fitting that we find our teaching text um, in the book of Acts because it is in the book of Acts um, that is, is commonly known as the Acts of the Apostles, but we know it as the book of Acts. The book of Acts itself is like a sequel of a two-part series or two-part movie, if you will. Luke is the name and is the author of the first part of the series or the first part of the movie. Uh, the Gospel According to Luke. 
In Acts chapter 1, verse 1, Luke clues us in by sharing, he says, in my former book, I wrote about all the things that Jesus began to do and to teach. Acts is now the book of Acts, the Acts of the Apostles, as we know it, is the continuation of that saga, but now focuses on the disciples, now called the apostles, as they began to teach. You all heard in our preaching text today, um, the larger portion of this, as you heard Trevor just uh, read to us, is in Acts chapter 11, verses 1 through 18, and also, I'll submit this to you in your devotional time, the entire previous chapter, Acts chapter 10. And I invite you to read that um, in your uh, devotional time this week. And so from this preaching text, from our teaching text, I want to talk about this idea of the resurrection promise. The resurrection promise. My wife and I met in October of 2015. Did I get that right? Yes. I like what I saw, and well, she didn't want anything to do with me. If you were to hit the fast forward button a couple of months uh, forward, we, uh, after that, we began dating. And if you fast forward again and pause on September 2016, specifically on my 30th birthday, um, you would know that I made a promise to my then girlfriend that I would indeed marry her if she accepted. Community, my promise, I was pretty excited. My promise, as you can see how excited I was about that promise, was an inward conviction, but I decided to make that promise public and known uh, to all through the form of an engagement ring. And then, again, I made another promise and bought another ring and exchanged that through a ceremony that we know as a a wedding. All of this occurred as a result of a promise I made to my wife, Christina. Did you know that there are promises of God, promises that God made and God makes to each and every single one of us today? One example of this is when, um, in the Old Testament, when the children of God were facing tumultuous times as exiles and refugees, and, and God said to them then, and God still says to them today, for I am the Lord your God who takes hold of your right hand and says to you, do not fear I will help you. Another example from the New Testament is found in the midst of encouraging the church at Philippi. And through Paul, God encouraged us, the church, by reminding us to not be anxious about anything. 
But in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, make your requests known to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ. Everett Storms, in his, get this, 27th reading of the Bible, you heard that right, counted that there are 7,487 promises from God to mankind, to you and to me. Specifically this morning, I want to talk about the resurrection promise because there is one promise that comes true in our text today. The promise, in fact, was, uh, was given in Acts chapter 1, verse number 8, and uh, it says, but you will, receive the Holy, you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to all the ends of the earth. Family, it up until this time and up until this point in time in our, in our text, circumcision was perhaps one of the first uh, per, per, proverbial uh, glass ceilings in the early church. It was Jewish communities that practiced circumcision, and it were Jewish communities that first received the gospel. The resurrection promise being made in our text today is the idea of Jesus, the good news of Jesus traveling from their home and their places of where, uh, places where comfort was found, that is Jerusalem, to the places they are familiar with, that is Judea, to the places they would never, ever, ever would have considered traveling, that is Samaria, and also to the unknown places, the ends of the earth. This brings me to my first point this morning of the resurrection promise, and that is The resurrection promise is not proprietary. The resurrection promise is not proprietary. What I mean by this is the power and the purpose of the resurrection is not just for me and is not just to be hoarded by any individual or any one community. As a matter of fact, the resurrection promise is contagious and is designed through the Holy Spirit to move us from our places of comfort and the familiar towards the places of our spiritual lives that we would have never considered and the unknown. We see this unfold in the entire first half of the book of Acts, chapter 1, verses 12, uh, chapter 1, verses chapter 12. This is where the good news of Jesus spreads to the 
physical places um, where it has not yet traveled before and penetrates the lives of people that have never experienced Jesus before. I want to read that one more time. It is the good news of Jesus that spreads to the physical places where it has not traveled before and penetrates the lives of people that have never experienced Jesus before. I want to raise a series of three questions, and this brings me to my first question or first thought. I invite you this week as you're in your community groups, small groups with your friends to ponder and have more conversations on these questions. So here's the first question. Where is the Holy Spirit directing you to share the news of Jesus? How might the lies, consider and think with me if you will, put on your thinking caps, how might the lives, uh, the lives of communities be radically changed by the Holy How might the lives of communities be radically changed by the resurrection promise of the Holy Spirit? There we go. Our senior pastor, Derek, touched on this earlier in our teaching series when he spoke on this similar idea of going places that might be outside of one's comfort and the unknown. Very practically... Consider, if you will, what might it look like to have conversations and invite questions about how Jesus has changed your life at the local bar after work with a friend? What might it look like to have a conversation about faith and life while eating ramen in Koreatown? Me and Nazir did that. I'll also add that this does not only have to be by action, only by word, but it can be by action and by deed. One of my uh, life uh, quotes is, is uh, favorite life quotes, is to preach always and only use words when necessary. Edgar Albert Guest explained this and expounded on this a little bit further um, in his poems, The Sermons We See, when he said, I'd rather see a sermon than hear one any day. I'd rather one should walk with me than merely tell me the way. The resurrection promise is not proprietary. The second point I want to raise up is this. The resurrection promise is not passive. That is to say, the power and the promise of the resurrection and of the Holy Spirit is active and is moving. The resurrection promise of the Holy Spirit is active and is moving. Specifically, with Peter, when he first experienced a vision from the Holy Spirit. We have that example very clear in our teaching text. And I had to pause and ponder and put myself in Peter's shoes for just one second 
as I may have been experiencing that vision that Peter had. And I probably would have thought something like, am I experiencing deja vu? I experienced this vision three times. Man, when else did I experience something three times? Oh. Oh. Peter's vision was tailor-made just for him so that without a shadow of a doubt, he knew that it was Jesus. Even the Old Testament reminds and informs us of a God, our God, that speaks to the children of God. In 1 Samuel chapter 3 is where we find a young Samuel. Um, and in verse 10, he says, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. Question number two. When was the last time I experienced a vision? When was the last time you felt the nudging of the Holy Spirit by sight or by sound? I should preface this by saying that, by stating that our teaching text and also the text and the example I share from Samuel out of the Old Testament, the Holy Spirit did not nudge and did not provide a vision by sight or by sound only for the benefit of the individual. And acts and all throughout biblical antiquity, visions and the Holy Spirit uh, moved in a different way. The, the vision of the Holy Spirit did not provide Peter with the lottery numbers. The Holy Spirit did not provide uh, the C-suite level promotion with the corner office. It sounds nice, though. But the Holy Spirit provided a vision that was for other people to experience God. The vision that God gives us is not just for our own selves and for our own benefit, but through biblical antiquity, we see through salvation history, God saving communities of people as well as individuals. Also, we notice that the, whole, the resurrection promise preserves. The, whole, the resurrection promise preserves. My wife and I met in October 2015. Wait a minute, I told the story already. Okay. <laughs> Fast forward, we were engaged in September 2016, and we married in June uh, 2017. I want to tie this to the beginning because my promise was an inward conviction, but we decided to make that promise public and known to all through forms of public uh, symbolism by exchanging vows and rings at our wedding ceremony. As we 
draw to the close of uh, this Easter tide season that ends next week, I want to invite you to think about, reflect upon, think back to that day when you made your inward uh, conviction known publicly to all through your baptism ceremony. Your baptism moment is the public symbolic ceremony of your inward conviction and profession that Jesus is the Lord of your life. On Easter uh, Sunday in our community here at TGC, uh, we shared and celebrated nine different baptisms, and we were overjoyed at the time that we shared. And also, I'll insert parenthetically, perhaps you have not been baptized or not yet been baptized. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, So I want to invite you to think back to that time when you made that personal decision that you were going to follow Jesus and you shared that with your family and you shared that with your friends. Speaking of baptism, baptism represents the life the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus. That is to say that one must experience the death with Jesus in order to experience new life with Jesus. That is to say that one must experience the death with Jesus so that we may experience new life with Jesus. No death, no new life. Here's my final pressing question I want to invite you to think about this week. And that is, what in my life needs to be buried so that I, so that I may experience new life? What in my life needs to be buried so that I may experience as you've already heard us preach about in our sermon series, the resurrection power, the resurrection purpose, expectation, and the resurrection promise of Jesus. When I was in seminary, people always joked that I went to cemetery school, not seminary school. See, thank you, I appreciate that. Um, And in a way, they were right because I had to die to an embedded theology and false presuppositions, and I had to die to previous ways of living, of acting, of thinking, and of doing. And family, I think that Paul said it best in 1 Corinthians 15.31 when he says that he dies daily. This uh, figurative death is a literal denial of self so that we as individuals and so that we as a community may experience the power, the purpose, live with expectation, and live in the promise of the resurrection. As our worship team uh, comes back to the stage, 
there is a declaration in our teaching text that invites all to experience this type of new life. Acts chapter 11, verse 17 says, so, says, so if God gave them the same gift he gave us, who believed in the Lord Jesus Christ, who was I to think that I could stand in God's way. Family, there is no one, there is no thing that will stand in the way of the resurrection promise made to you. That resurrection promise is the Holy Spirit. And may that promise gift prompt you to share that gift and not hoard it. May you be open to the resurrection promise as the Holy Spirit shows visions. You're not crazy. I promise you're not crazy. May the resurrection promise preserve you and keep you and maintain you and retain you and protect you and sustain you beyond your wildest hopes, dreams, desires, and ambitions.